Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Prosperity by the Pine. I'm your host, Bryce Carter. I am a certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, certified investment management analyst. This is the podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. First things first, cold beer the, of the, not the year, the week is from Outside Ales. And uh, Outside Ales is out of Michigan somewhere. I've had them a couple times. Grand Haven, Michigan. Uh, and their beer of the week that I'm going to try this week is Herbie Pepper Hop, a pale ale with black peppercorns. Oh. So this one's been in my fridge. It came in a variety pack. I have not been looking forward to trying this. Just pepper and beer does not sound appealing. So here we go. Okay. It's not as bad as I was anticipating. Set the expectation low. Let them overperform. Um, the pepper, you can taste a little bit of pepper. Um, but really, all it just kind of does is it just it overtakes the hop a little bit, I think. I don't know. It's not that bad. Okay, so this week, I'm going to be talking about cryptocurrencies. Are they an alternative investment or are they a con- uh, currency? So I get questions about cryptos all the time. Um, it's kind of getting more and more mainstream. I've done an episode specifically on uh, Bitcoin and cryptos in the past, but I think this is a little bit different angle that I'm going to be talking about on it, especially since it's become more and more mainsta- mainstream and because there is actually new information available, right? So what is a cryptocurrency? Super basic. It's a digital or virtual currency that investors and merchants trade for uh, value. Bitcoin is the most popular. It's uh, the most well-known. Uh, Bitcoin is synonymous with cryptocurrency, just like Kleenex is uh, synonymous with tissue and Google is synonymous with internet search. They've got a wedge on that market, right? So the surge of popularity in Bitcoin is brought on uh, questions from investors, from economists, from central banks. Uh, it's brought, kind of brought on the attention of merchants as well, people thinking about tech, accepting um, Bitcoin as a payment. Um, it doesn't seem like that's as quick as a trend as it once was, but it, it is, it's there. Um, so the question comes up, and, and people ask this all the time, should I invest in cryptos? Um, and, and we have to ultimately ponder this question, whether is a crypto, specifically like Bitcoin, is it a currency or is it an alternative investment? Okay, so the first thing, let's let's talk about what a currency is, right? So there's key tenets of a currency. The main thing you use currency for is exchanging um, value, something with value for goods and services. So, uh, for example, you, you, you buy stuff with a dollar, right? You can buy uh, wine or car washes. So that's a product. That's a service, right? And currency simply makes the art of us exchanging things for value and doing business and doing commerce simpler and easier than previous methods. Before we had notable currency and universal currency is in a country, right? There used to be state currencies, but before we had a universal currency as a country and each country has their own currencies, uh, barter systems were much more popular. Barter is actually still done in many forms, but it makes it difficult. So let's say, for example, I am a, a pig farmer and I want to do business with Allie, who is a, uh, uh, she's a whiner. She makes wine. Is that what a whiner, wine, wine, she's a whiner. She makes wine. And so I happen to like white wine and I take my pork to Allie and I say, Allie, I would like to buy a case of white wine. She says, well, that's fantastic, but I don't sell white wine. I only make red wine and I also don't want any pork. So, uh, 
sorry. So I take my pork and I go down the road to somebody else that makes wine. And it turns out they do want pork, but they also don't have the type of red wine that I like. So I changed the, I exchanged the pork with somebody else that has the item that the my winemaker has. So let's say the winemaker is looking for, oh, I don't know. What would a winemaker look want? Maybe oak to make oak barrels to age their wine in. So now I've got to find somebody I can trade my oak barrel or my wine to, or my pig. I'm seeing this is where it gets complicated. I got to find somebody that's willing to exchange my pork for their oak barrels. So I get the oak barrels and then I take them to the winemaker. And finally, now we have a transaction because I've got what they want. That is so much more complicated than currency, right? So currency is a universally accepted exchange of value that is much more easy to deal with than bartering. Now, there's the key tenets of a currency are that it can be exchanged for value. Bitcoin meets that. Cryptocurrencies meet that. They can be exchanged for value. Not widely accepted yet uh, as, as a means of goods and services, but it's there. It's secure. Bitcoin is actually relatively secure. Many cryptocurrencies are secure. Uh, the way in which they're digitally tracked uh, via the blockchain is relatively secure. As At least, I wouldn't say like as secure is uh, your bank account can get hacked, your Bitcoin wallet can get hacked. So there's that, right? Um, readily available. Uh, readily available. I mean, you can't go to an ATM and cash out some Bitcoin. Um, it's getting better. They're getting more available. There's more programs and systems out there that allow you to acquire Bitcoin uh, or other cryptocurrencies, but it's not quite there yet, especially for a generation which uh, might not create the apps on their phone or computer to to uh, save their Bitcoin, save their cryptocurrency uh, in a wallet. Um, and then stable. This is where Bitcoin falls very short, and most cryptocurrencies fall really short. They are volatile. They move up and down and up and down and around and sideways, and, and so they're not stable. And here's the problem with that, is if I'm using a currency, and let's say my currency is the dollar, I don't want a dollar today to be able to buy a loaf of bread, but then tomorrow it can buy two loaves of bread, but then next week it can only buy one-tenth of one loaf of bread, right? So as the value of your currency goes up and down and up and down and up and down, it is not stable enough to know exactly how many goods and services it is available for. It is because we can exchange it to a dollar, but it still means that this week it's worth way more. So um, actually, I might want to hang on to it, right? Because it's worth way more. I don't want to exchange it for goods and services, but next week it's worth way less. So now I can pay for, oh, I don't know, my new vehicle with my my Bitcoin, uh, but I have to use way more of them because the currency is worth less. An unstable currency that moves all around is not very useful as a currency. So when it comes to being a currency, cryptos and Bitcoin are not quite there yet. Take a beer break real quick. I got to give this another try. It's okay. Ah, now nah, that one didn't finish well. I think I found the pepper. This is not for me. Uh, I don't even think it would be good with food. But I commend you outside ales for going outside the box and trying something. All right. So a big update on cryptos uh, in digital currencies is that central banks are starting to get together and create a framework upon which they would be able to create digital currencies and have some universal applications so they could be exchanged, right? So you might have a Swedish cryptocurrency that could be exchanged for a U.S. dollar cryptocurrency, digital currency, if you will. Um, and this framework really started to get put in place as you guys might remember Facebook was starting to launch a digital currency. Um, they were going to be the main backer of it. It was called Libra. 
uh, that's kind of stalled out a lot, uh, and it's, it's taken a lot of different forms, and now other companies getting involved, etc. But anyways, uh, central banks, and particularly European governments, were really raising their eyebrows at this because they don't trust social media, and neither does many people in our government or a society because of the massive amount of power that they have. And really, they've <laughs> they, we exchange our uh, personal information and privacy, which they've abused uh, for free ser- access to their services, which that's a trade that we make, so we have to be conscious of that. But what I'm saying is that these central banks, United States uh, Central Bank, which is the Federal Reserve, European Central Bank, uh, and, and I believe six others, no, five others, have started to work together on a framework in which they can have their own digital currencies. So there might be a time, and I actually believe this, I'm not, I, 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 I'm maybe predicting it, if you will, that in three, four, five years from now, that you're, you could have a digital currency that is backed by the U.S. federal government on your phone that you use to process transactions at the register. They are doing that in direct competition with Bitcoin, and I'm going to tell you in a minute why it doesn't really matter. Um, Bitcoin is still going to have its own purpose, right? Its own own uh, dedicated legion of fans. Now, so far, the only country to actually push forward with this, to push forward with this digital currency backed by a government, a central bank, is China. They're ahead of the game in this. Uh, they have uh, financial applications through Ant Financial and WhatsApp Pay that are, you know, very secure, very, uh, uh, very anonymous um, ways of transacting. And so their bank got ahead of it. The Chinese central bank did. Uh, it's really just in a kind of like a pilot mode right now, but it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Now, as these central banks develop uh, their version of a cryptocurrency, a digital currency, they will, Bitcoin's still going to have a place. And the reason being is the whole attractive thing to Bitcoin in the first place is that it's off government control. It's limited in quantity, which means there's only a certain amount that are going to get released. It's dark money in the sense that two criminals could exchange money back and forth uh, via Bitcoin, and it's got really no way of being infringed upon. Um, And then the last thing with it is that it has no transaction fees related to it. So that's one of the big things there is that you're able to send large sums of money across countries without having to worry about international exchange rates and fees and things like that. Um, So it's still going to have an appeal, right? So even central banks making Bitcoin, uh, not Bitcoin, but digital currencies, Bitcoin's still going to have an appeal. Now, people ask me if they should buy it, if they should invest in it. So I think what I just covered there gives reasons why Bitcoin is a digital currency. It's not a great currency because it's not stable, but it is an investment. And this is where it starts to get um, a little convoluted here. And so if you're buying Bitcoin as an investment, what you have to remember is that if, it, if it's an investment, it falls under the alternative investment category, which typically alternative investments are something to where they have a, their value, I'll, I'll back up, traditional investments, you can determine their value based on their projected cash flow. So if you buy a stock and that stock uh, is worth, uh, the company is worth $50 billion and they have uh, $5 billion a year in revenue and $2.5 billion a year in profit, you can look at it and say, this company has this growth rate and this amount of cash flow and these products and services and this is what it's worth. Uh, but alternative investments derive either their value from no cash flow or from uh, an alternative resource not directly correlated to their or directly correlated to their cash flow. So, for example, gold has no cash flow, doesn't pay a dividend, doesn't earn 
uh, revenue from sales or products and services. It is very difficult to actually say what is the true value of gold as an investment because it has no cash flow to it, right? Um, another example would be timber. Now, timber would be an example to where timber can be producing a cash flow to a mining company, but owning the rights to timber doesn't necessarily produce a cash flow until some predetermined time in the future at which we do not know what the price of timber is going to be. So even though the uh, you, you owning the rights might not produce cash flow now, it could produce cash flow in the future. And that cash flow that it produces in the future are determined not based on uh, anything other than the price of that specific hard asset of timber, right? Um, so the next thing I would say is that what does Bitcoin remind you of? It's kind of like gold. It doesn't produce any cash flow or any revenue, right? So what you're looking at is a scenario where if it is an investment, it's an alternative investment, which makes it very difficult to value. And so gold, I kind of see, or Bitcoin, I kind of see as developing itself into digital gold, if you will. Now, the nice part about gold is that it's been, it's, it's a volatile asset class. However, it is lacking correlation to the stock market. So a lot of times when the market crashes, gold will go up in value. Now, depending on the time frames and the snapshot that you're looking at, that's either been a great investment or a bad investment. But it has been an alternative investment. And I see Bitcoin going more that way. Up to this point, it's been much more volatile. And as correlation to the market is not completely clear. There's been times when the market's crashed and Bitcoin's gone up. And there's been times when the market's gone up and Bitcoin's not done well. Um, I think it's going that direction. I think it will eventually kind of look like this weird uh, digital e-gold, if you will, but it's not there yet. And so I think as time goes on, people ask me, should I buy cryptos, Bitcoin? I don't think that there's anything wrong with that as long as you're relating it to a small percentage of your net worth. Like I probably would not recommend any more than five to 10% of a portfolio, not even your net worth, probably even just 5% into precious metals. And I would say, make that same argument to somebody in uh, these digital currency kind of spaces. It's just too many unknowns, right? Um, and all you're buying it for is alternative. You're not buying it because you think as a standalone investment, it's great. Uh, you're buying it for different reasons. But that's going to do it for this week's episode of Prosperity by the Pint. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, wherever you are, that's where we are. Cheers. The topics that I discuss in this podcast are meant to be general information and educational only. I'm not giving you specific advice because I don't know you personally. In order to give you specific advice, you should work with an advisor or someone that can learn your specific situation and give you advice that applies to you. If I talk about a specific security, please keep in mind I'm not recommending that security. And don't forget, investing involves risk. When you invest, there's always the possibility of losing capital, which is why you should consult with a qualified, licensed financial advisor prior to investing.